Hey, Ashley. Hey, Nicole. Hey, Emily. Hey, Nicole. We have a special guest with us today. Emily Harden is here. Emily, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, uh, my name is Emily Harden, and I have been at Azel Christian Church for three-ish years now, and I'm an elder, and I've got two kiddos who are 14, 11, and they're at camp right now, so this podcast comes at the perfect time. Amazing. Well, uh, we are excited to have your expertise on this episode uh, specifically because we are going to be covering some really juicy uh, 90s, early 2000s contemporary Christian music hits. Um, And I would like, Ashley, would you just like tell us a bit more about what this episode is going to be like? Yes. So this is Music Monday Church Camp Edition. So we're really going back to youth group days. And uh, so we are each, we have four categories and we each picked a song and we didn't tell each other what those songs were. So um, I'll tell you the categories. And then as we approach each category, we'll lay out exactly what we're talking about here. So our categories are cringy, but still a bop, stands the test of time, that took a turn, and then wild card. Amazing. So um, we will start off with our first category, which is cringy, but still a bop. So this song can be cringy in any way that we want it, theologically, music style, any associated memories, whatever. But it remains a song that you're going to sing along to because it still hits. So Emily is going to kick us off. Yes, I am. Okay. So my cringy song is In the Light by DC Talk. (gasps) (laughs) Oh my gosh. This is one of my all-time favorite youth group songs. Musically, it is definitely still a bop. Like mm-hmm. the musical nature of the song is like the textbook definition of a bop. Um, <laughs> lyrically and theologically, maybe we have a couple of problems. Um, and that's not even to get into the strange and diverging political roads that the members of DC Talk have traveled <laughs> in the last decade or so. But um, the DC Talk had its beginnings um, at Liberty University. This may be our first red flag. Oh. Um, in 1987, guys, uh, there the members are Toby McKeon, also known as Toby Mac, mm-hmm. the rapper of the group, Michael Tate, and Kevin Mac Smith. They released five albums from 1989 to 1998. They were massively popular <laughs> in 90s youth group culture. They were young. They were cool. They had a song called I Love, spelled L-U-V rap music. So you could not ask for more. Um, so the members of the group have also gone on to record their own solo projects and they actually have never officially broken up, which I was surprised to find out, wow. but they haven't recorded a new album in decades. So the song in the light was on their fourth album, Jesus freak, which is another song that might fall into this category. <laughs> uh, it was released in 1995. So in the light is actually a cover something else I did not know. It was originally written and recorded by Charlie Peacock, who is a prolific producer in the CCM world. Um, It's upbeat, kind of this stripped down acoustic guitar sound. And lyrically on the surface, it doesn't seem too bad. The chorus goes, I want to be in the light as you are in the light. I want to shine like the stars in the heavens. Oh Lord, be my light and be my salvation because all I want is to be in the light, which sounds fun. But as you get into the verses of the song, it becomes, to me, really representative of this 
kind of troubling genre of theology, which is this sort of, we are inherently wretched creatures that God can only love if he looks at us through the veil of Christ. So the first verse says, the disease of self runs through my blood. It's a cancer fatal to my soul. Every attempt on my behalf has failed to bring the sickness under control. Yikes. Yikes. Big yikes. (laughs) So this undercurrent of like your literal self is a disease and it is fatal to your soul. It cannot be trusted and you cannot be any version of good on your own. Um, And if you get saved, you know, God will love you, but then you will definitely spend the rest of your life striving to be good enough and wondering if you're good enough. (laughs) Um, So it's all very exhausting. This is very um, representative of my uh, childhood upbringing my youth group upbringing. And so I'm laying a lot of theological baggage at a few lines of the song, but um, I'm definitely thinking not, not a bop theologically, still a bop musically. <laughs> nice. Oh, that's a, I wonder like when people, my first thought is like the like self-care, love yourself, you're enough kind of movement gets some flack, but I'm like, if we're reacting to what the overwhelming message has been, you know, through the eighties, nineties, early two thousands, it makes sense. So I'm like, we are like, yeah, put, I am enough on every tote bag you own. Cause like that was <laughs> what was on the radio. Like, golly. Right. right. But it is catchy. It is so catchy. Mm-hmm. I like how catchy. Emily just bought, brought like total depravity right out the gate. First off. <laughs> Let's do it. I was going to tiptoe into it, but here like we on go. brand. I love it. <laughs> Coming in hot. Coming in hot. Okay. All right. So my still a bop song um, is Breathe Your Name by Sixpence None the Richer. Now, Sixpence just needed to make an appearance on my list. And it's not a bop in the way of like, you know, you want to dance to it, but it's a bop. Like it was cool is cool. You could still listen to it in the car and feel like a cool person, you know, like they just have a very cool sound. Yes. Um, so Sixpence None the Richer is a Christian alternative rock band that formed in New Braunfels, Texas, and eventually settled in Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah. They're Texas people. Wow. And they're best known for their song. Kiss me made famous in the 1999 mm-hmm. movie. All that. Yeah. It's problematic. It's cringy, but a bop in its own way, right? That whole movie. Um, and they're also famous for their cover of There She Goes, um, which is credited for being in Snow Day. I feel like it was in other things, but like there, do you remember the movie Snow Day in 2000? It was a big hit. Anyway, yeah. Okay. So they've been around. Um, so the name of the band is inspired by a passage from the book Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis, which I thought was interesting. Wow. Yeah. Um, and and I found so there was this interview. So Lee Nash is their lead singer. She's got this like really incredible voice and just has this really neat ethereal kind of presence. And uh, she was on David Letterman after their song Kiss Me blew up. Um 
they got so famous so quickly and she's on David Letterman and she's trying so hard to tell him like, here's what our, here's what sixpence none the richer means. And Letterman thinks it's really funny to keep like embarrassing her. It's a really cringy interview. Um, but you just watch her like really stick to her guns. And at one point she just kind of goes, ah, like, let me speak. And he was like, what hotel are you at? Could I stop by later? And she was like, so our name. And she tells wow. him like, she like pushed through all this, like, sexist cringy behavior from David Letterman and like kept pushing and finally got around to telling him on national television, which I just thought was really interesting that she like stuck her guns. Um, she, she said, it comes from a book by CS Lewis called mere Christianity. A little boy asks his father, if he can get a sixpence, a very small amount of English currency in use at the time to go and get a gift for his father. The father gladly accepts the gift and he's really happy with it, but he also realizes that he's not any richer for the transaction. C.S. Lewis was comparing that to his belief that God has given him and us the gifts we possess and to serve God the way we should, we should do it humbly, realizing that how we got the gifts in the first place. And so sixpence, none the richer is how they got their name, which I thought that's Hmm. really cool. I didn't, I knew they were kind of Christian adjacent, but I didn't know that like like they really identified as a Christian band. And so, um, anyway, still a bop, still very cool vibes. Um, and some of the lyrics are, uh, but you're in my heart. I can feel your beat and you move my mind from behind the wheel. When I lose control, I can only breathe your name. I can only breathe your name. The old, the cringy part in it, like, it's a really cool song. It is a little bit like it has the like Jesus is my boyfriend vibes a little bit. It's just like, who are we singing about? I don't know. It's kind of, <laughs> but that's like, it's cringy enough to be like, I don't feel super comfortable, like really thinking about the lyrics, but it's a bop and I still really like their, their sound. So that is my cringy, but still a bop song. Sixpence. I remember the kiss me song playing when Ruthie from seventh heaven had her first kiss and she's like (laughs) dancing in her room to the song and her parents are like listening at the door I feel like that show like somebody's always listening at the door (laughs) maybe it's like symbolism or something for God I don't know but uh that's that's a cringy but still a bop show too seventh heaven yes (laughs) yeah All right. Well, my cringy but still a bop song um, is Love Song for a Savior by Jars of Clay. So I say this with a caveat that like what I find cringy about this song might not be cringy for everybody. Um, (laughs) And I take the cringy. I listen to the song probably once a week still. And so um, I just love it so much. So I don't care about the cringy really. But kind of what Nicole was saying. The reason I find it cringy is because it does have some strong Jesus is my boyfriend vibes. Um, we all know the songs that we're talking about, right? Nicole Mm -hmm. just talked about one. There are songs that are like, Jesus, I want to crawl in your lap and kiss your neck and gaze at the stars with you (laughs) kind of songs, you know? And you're like, I, I don't consent to this. Like, what? I'm not singing this. Right. Um, so this song is not as bad as some songs, right? Like, I feel like we could all conjure up an even worse song. But um, there is still some language that feels like we're getting close to boyfriend territory and it's the chorus and, um, or it's like the lead into the chorus and then the chorus. And 
It's someday he'll call her and she will come running. She'll fall in his arms. The tears will fall down and she'll pray. I want to fall in love with you. And that's the refrain of the song. I want to fall in love with you, which is not bad. Like, but the combination of like, you know, falling in his arms and I don't know, (laughs) but it's also still a lovely song. Like I feel, I feel it in my bones. Maybe it's, I don't know, a trauma bond or something. Who knows? (laughs) But um, fun fact, the band Jars of Clay met at Greenville College in the 90s, and they gained a reputation on campus for singing Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer to the tune of Nirvana's Smells Like Teen Spirit. What? We need to attempt this now. (laughs) I know. When I read that, I was like trying to channel my Kurt Cobain (laughs) and Christmas spirit at the same time. Um, Honestly, this kind of notoriety in college is like totally my vibe. I feel like I would have... I would have probably just like fallen in love with jars of clay if they were doing this when I was in college. Um, so they've toured with Matchbox 20 and Sting, which I think is very cool. Um, and they have consistently transgressed the boundaries of like traditional contemporary Christian music. So they like get flack sometimes for that. But in an NPR interview in 2002, the lead singer said, our songs are not really there to explain our faith, but are written about our life that is affected by our faith. And he said that art can make people feel what's true rather than telling them. And I think that's really lovely. And like, if you look at their catalog, I feel like that's true of their songs and they're still making music and it's still cool. And um, I feel like maybe one of their songs was on a walk to remember. Mm-hmm. Also cringy, bit of bop. This is really taking, I feel like I need to watch a walk to remember now, but um, <laughs> it's been a while. Um, but yeah, so love song for a savior by Jars of Clay great choice i love jars of clay i listened to a lot of their songs this week and prep for this episode and they're really still good um the song like, i know what to remember is lift me up lift me mm-hmm. up when i was down so there i'm gonna hum a few songs on this podcast don't sue us <laughs> yes <laughs> we're a small church please don't <laughs> we're so small don't do it that's um, yeah that's lift me up yeah do you remember um the Disney talking heads on like Disney Channel in like the late 90s where it'd be like the actors or actresses? Do you remember this? I may cut this out. We'll see. Um, I just remember my first crush was like I listened to Christian music, but I listened to cool Christian music, like Jars of Clay and Clay, Jars of Clay and Sixpence on the Richer. And that's when I was like, there's cool Christian music. <laughs> what? And then I was like, there's boys that like cool Christian music. And that was my downfall. I was like, oh, no, we're going a certain direction with our life. No. And that's how Nicole became a worship minister. <laughs> that was the beginning of the end. Yep. Anyway. Okay. Ashley, what's our next category? Okay. Our next category is stands the test of time. So this song is one that you can feel 100% good about singing from a theological and musical standpoint. Even if it's got some like signature nineties, early aught sound, you still love it. So Emily, what's your stands the test of time pick? My pick is called show yourselves to be by the one and only Stephen Curtis Chapman. Um, we cannot have a CCM list without Stephen Curtis Chapman on it. It is hard to overstate the dominating hold that Stephen Curtis Chapman had on CCM in the early 90s. He is the most awarded artist in Christian music. He's had over 25 albums, 49 number one songs. Insane. Oh. <laughs> so 
so it was Steven's world and we were just living in it. Um, this song was on his 1990 album for the sake of the call, which won a Grammy and a dev award. I actually had a few songs in contention from his catalog and really even from this album. I think I played this album on endless repeat as a teenager. Um, so this song is maybe a little bit of a deep cut. I'm not really sure, uh, but it's really beautiful. It has these gorgeous strings in the background, very like just soothing, mellow song. Um, I think Stephen Curtis Chapman is a really great vocalist. Like his voice really stands up um, even now too. And so I was really pleasantly surprised, you know, kind of peeking cautiously back at some of these songs that I listened to endlessly in the nineties. Um, but I found that most of his songs were like standing, standing the test of time. Um, so this song is kind of centered on the vine branches, fruit imagery that Jesus loves to use and is one of my favorite ways to think about God too. So some of the lyrics go, he said, you will show yourselves to be the ones who follow me by the evidence you leave along the way. They'll know that you are mine, like the branches on the vine, if you show yourselves to be following me. Faith joins our hearts to him. It's not a result of anything we do, but if we are part of him, there will be reasons to believe it's true. The fruit cannot help but grow if the branch is joined into the tree, and love cannot help but show in the one who goes where Jesus leads. So I think that's still a really lovely and true way to think about being a disciple. And even though I grew up very fundamentalist, had a lot of baggage to unpack over the last several years. It's been interesting to look back. These songs kind of give me a little window into what like 13-year-old Emily was thinking about and doing. And, um, you know, there's been several writers and thinkers in these last few years who have talked about, um, you know, when you're questioning a doctrine or a ministry to look at the fruit um, and I think that's been a really helpful guide for me as I have kind of interrogated different things. Um, and so I love that this song points to that. So Stephen Curtis Chapman stands the test of time. Yeah. I love Stephen Curtis Chapman. He's great. He's great. I, and I, I try think- not to look too closely into like what has, like, where has he landed in the last couple of years? I'm not really sure. I didn't look, but... <laughs> He's probably fine. <laughs> yeah, you didn't need to look. It's yeah, he's probably mm-hmm. fine. Well, and just like you know, let me add my like other uh contemporary Christian music superstar from the 90s, Michael W. Smith. Yes, the conversation. So <laughs> Michael W. Smith, I mean, if you don't know. I don't know what to tell you at this point. <laughs> you should you should know kind of you should have an idea. Hey, what I don't when I think of him, I think of his like wispy, you know, brushed over hair from the 90s. I don't know what he looks like <laughs> now. Like he's just this eternal like 90s and his Levi's kind of person in my brain. Um, and that's where you know this song. So my song pick is Place in This World uh by Michael mm, W. Smith. Yes. Oh, it's so good. It's off his 1990 album. I didn't realize it was that it did. Cause I remember hearing it on the radio when I was like 10, like it stayed popular for so long, but, um, on his 1990 album titled go West young man, Smith co-wrote the track. Didn't know this with Amy Grant. 
Are we wow. surprised? No. <laughs> I mean, come on. The song was a huge success. It peaked at number six on the Billboard Hot 100 chart in 1991. Um, it's everything we want from an early 1990s inspiration rock ballad. It was like his crossover vibe. I don't know that he ever really crossed over, but it sounds like he wanted to right then. <laughs> and then he kind of like went right back into like, you know, worship, worship music. Anyway. Uh, but it's just so incredibly inspiring. It's so relatable. Um, it's like a Christian pop radio version of Go the Distance, like Michael Bolton from Hercules. And it's about around the same time, you know, that song where it's just like, I can do it. Yeah. Like that's the, that's what you leave with. So a few of the lyrics are just, just so we can remember the wind is moving, but I'm standing still a life of pages waiting to be filled a heart. That's hopeful, a head that's full of dreams. But this becoming is harder than it seems. Feels like I'm looking for a reason, roaming through the night to find my place in this world. Not a lot to lean on. <laughs> I need your light to help me find my place in this world. I'm, I'm just, I'm, <laughs> I just, my mind was blown. And then wait for it, ready for this. So my mind's blown. And I'm like, does anyone else know or remember how beautiful this song is? And then I found that in 2021, Netflix made this musical series called A Week Away. Okay. Yes. A Week Away. The Netflix description is in this uplifting musical, a troubled teen takes a leap of faith by attending summer camp and unexpectedly finds love, friends, and a place to belong. It's like high school musical meets church camp, which <laughs> when I like if I was 17, I'd be like, all of my wildest dreams are coming true. Yeah. So <laughs> anyway. Of course, Amy Grant and King and Country and lots of other well-known names wrote music for this series on Netflix. So in one of the episodes, the main characters who are in love do a duet cover of Place in This World, uh, reviving the 90s hit. And I mean, honestly, what a treat, like a Disney-esque <laughs> musical theater version of this song. Like what? And so... Uh, all I know is that I felt very affirmed in my decision uh, in choosing this song when I realized that Netflix also thinks it stands the test of time. So there you have it. I was just thrilled. Yeah. <laughs> Give it a listen. I'll put both versions on the playlist just so we can have them both. Yes. I would love to hear the new one. Yeah. It's truly darling. So <laughs> yeah. If anything stands the test of time, it's existential angst. Me, <laughs> no change. <laughs> You're reading the lyrics, and I'm like, 13 year old Ashley was singing this, 32 year old Ashley was thinking this. <laughs> Weeping in my den earlier, like, gosh. <laughs> yeah. Don't want to tell my 16 year old self, like, buckle up, gal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this will never, ever go away. <laughs> yeah. He's great. Okay, so my Stands the Test of Time song is Oh Praise Him by David Crowder Band. Yeah. Yes. So this song, this album titled Illuminate um, is the soundtrack of my youth group. I like know every song by heart. Um, I listen to it all the way through while prepping for this and they're all still bops. I mean, they're great. <laughs> Um, the six members of the David Crowder band met at Baylor university in Waco. Ooh. Yeah. They started <laughs> a church as college students and the church is university Baptist church. Um, 
when they learned that over half the students at Baylor did not attend church. Um, and so part of their mission in making music was to make songs that were innovative and compelling for his generation. I, I mean, mission accomplished. Like, <laughs> I, I truly, I love that whole album. Um, so, Oh, Praise Him, Though It Genders God as Male, um, is still a really beautiful worship song. Um, the musicality of the song is still innovative. Um, and the praise band at my Baptist church growing up, um, in my youth group were totally like David Crowder band, Shane and Shane wannabes. Um, we sang like Shane so many Shane. of their songs. I know this is their cameo. <laughs> if one of y'all didn't choose him. So, <laughs> um, yeah. So, so do y'all remember the fan made video to this song where a guy is walking the streets of New York and he's listening to this song and he ends up like worshiping on a street corner He's like listening to it in his ears. No. So he's like just walking New York City. It's kind of like a gray tone um, video. And it's like clearly done by like a camcorder, you know? And um, he's walking and he's kind of like mouthing the words and just like looking around. And then by the end of the song, he's like on a street corner, like with his hands up, eyes closed, singing, oh, praise him. Um, and I remember watching this like in youth group being like, wow, that is true worship. This is true Christian. Like this is what we should all be doing. And, um, <laughs> cringy, right. And, uh, I would not recommend doing this. Um, but I think if you look at it from like a metaphorical standpoint, it's a really beautiful video. Um, and I rewatched it when I was thinking about this song and it reminded me of a story about the Trappist monk that we all three know and love Thomas Merton. <laughs> So um, in downtown Louisville, at the corner of 4th and Walnut, Thomas Merton had a mystical vision. And there's a plaque on the corner of that street that says, there's like a city plaque that says a, revolution, a revelation. Merton had a sudden insight at this corner on March 18th, 1958, that led him to redefine his monastic identity with greater involvement in social justice issues. He was suddenly overwhelmed with the realization that I loved all these people. And he found them walking around shining like the sun. There is a plaque that says mm. this on the four, on fourth and Walnut in Louisville. And uh, you can read more about this in his book, um, Conjectures of a Guilty Bystander of like this mystical vision. But I just like love that he's just walking down the street and he's like, I must be involved in social justice now. And I love all these people. And I just, I feel like if you think about like this, oh, praise him video from um, this fan, it's really, it kind of goes with this vibe. So um, David Crowder band, their last new album was released in 2012. Um, and then the band disbanded. David Crowder still makes music under the name Crowder. Um, don't look too much into him. In your heart. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, but do you guys have a favorite David Crowder band song? I think this is where my being 10 years older than y'all will come into play. But what did, what year did this song come out? Uh, you know, not off know the top if, of my head. That's okay. I'm just wondering if like, I feel like it might've been around the same time that I was there. Cause I know I, like I've been to university Baptist church. I don't remember specifically if I like saw David Crowder there, but mm -hmm. like the timing could be right. It was like late nineties. So could be. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm looking okay. at the one yeah. that I'm thinking of. Uh, yeah. Come as you are. Um, Ooh, that's good. That's a good, that's a really good Crowder song. I don't know when it was. It's more recent than, oh no, it's 2014, which is more recent than our high school. 
yeah. Um, yeah, Come As You Are, David Crowder. I, I might, it's, it's really a good song. I might include it on the playlist too, just because it's a good one. It's a good one. Um, yeah, David Crowder. I'm glad that he made an appearance on this podcast. Uh-huh. Yeah. Sure. He holds a special place in my heart. The first time I held hands with a boy, this was my high school experience, <laughs> was we were at Paladero Canyon because I grew up in the Panhandle. So we he did a concert in the canyon and a boy held my hand. And nice. I was like, this is as good as life could ever get. And it was good. I mean, I'm not going to lie. It's not like it got, you know, it got good. I have a great daughter, but that was a moment. <laughs> it It was really wonderful. So... Thank you, David Crowder. Um, yeah, good choice, Ashley. Okay, our next category is That Took a Turn. So this is a song that either the lyrics or theology or like band history or whatever really got away from them. Um, and Or it was like used or covered in a weird way or anything like that. So the definition of turn is really broad. We just we make it our own. We'll know it when we see it. Um, so Emily, what is your That Took a Turn song? Okay, I'm really hoping that you guys have the reference for this. It is Everything by Lifehouse. Oh my gosh, <gasps> yes. Okay. <laughs> All the air like, just left my body. If I haven't body. seen it, this is going to be a really one-sided thing. Okay, so... <laughs> I'm already this, sweating. <laughs> it, believe me. Um, so this is a great song. Mm-hmm. Lifehouse came around in around 2000. This song was on their debut album, No Name Face. It was huge. Lifehouse was kind of everywhere in the early aughts. They were in like TV shows and all the things. Um, They are not explicitly a Christian band. Um, The lead singer said in an interview in 2000, we are not a Christian band, but I'm a Christian and the bass player is a Christian. I don't feel that you have to label music as Christian music. A Christian plumber is just a plumber. So (laughs) deep thoughts by 20-year-old Jason Wade there. Um, but everything is probably one of their more spiritual seeming songs. And I think people think of Lifehouse kind of in a U2 sort of way where mm-hmm. I recognize some spiritual themes in the song. I know they're not playing on like Christian radio, but so the lyrics of everything start out, find me here and speak to me. I want to feel you. I need to hear you. You are the light that's leading me to the place where I find peace again. You are the strength that keeps me walking. You are the hope that keeps me trusting you are the light to my soul. You are my purpose. You're everything. So very spiritual things happening here. Um, so I love the song still. It was my favorite song on the album. I listened to it constantly. It has this really quiet kind of haunting start. Um, and then it builds to this, you know, huge crescendo in the middle. Um, it's a great song to blast in the car. Um, but it took a turn. <laughs> so if you go on twitter and search for lifehouse skit you will immediately feel like you've walked into some sort of evangelical recovery meeting uh (laughs) mason meninga tweeted in april of this year if you know what the lifehouse skit is then you're in therapy now which feels very accurate (laughs) so sometime in the mid to late 2000s which was well after my own youth group years this skit started to make the rounds in youth groups 
all across the country. Like there are so many YouTube clips of youth groups doing this skit, which unfortunately I watched this week. Um, (laughs) I actually saw this skit in like capital B, capital Z, big church at a huge Baptist mega church that I was attending at the time. Um, so I'm going to describe the skit, um, all the trigger warnings on the skit yeah. description. <laughs> so it starts out, this is very like Jesus is my boyfriend vibes. She is with Jesus. They're happy. They're dancing together. It's very sweet. And then all these things start to come between her and Jesus. There's a boyfriend. There's someone throwing money at her. Then we get like super dark. There is like, um, an eating disorder sort of portrayal. She cuts herself. Um, This Satan figure hands her a gun, which she then points at her own head. It is so dark. And then they're just tossing her around the stage, keeping her away from Jesus. She's like desperately trying to get back to Jesus. And then Jesus finally comes in and like throws them all to the ground and saves her. And then at the end, they're happy and they're dancing together again. Um, I have a really bad memory. I remember like every detail of this skit <laughs> it is seared into my brain. And I knew as I was watching it, this is going to ruin the song for me forever. <laughs> Pretty much did. Um, I actually re-listened to the song this week and was able to kind of enjoy it again musically. I finally, you know, what, 20 years later, I'm far enough removed. Um, but it was bad. It was really bad. So, okay, you guys groaned. So what was your experience with the Lifehouse skit? Um, I think, so I follow this uh, former worship leader on TikTok and she's like an atheist now. And she talks about like the manipulation of music um, to like make people have an emotional response in youth group. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think about this song and the skit because it's like, it does start off like kind of soft and sweet. And then when it crescendos, that's when she's like, running toward Jesus and people are like pulling at her, you know, and, um, and I feel like the way that, I mean, it's for what they're trying to do. Um, they accomplish it. It's an effective skit. Like, yes, it makes all of us like just really scared, um, Mm -hmm. and feel guilty and all that kind of stuff. And, um, but I feel like that's, what's happening is that like, there's definitely like a full emotional manipulation. I feel like I cried like the first 20 times I saw this skit, you know, um, mm. because that's, that's what it wants you to do. So <laughs> yeah, they know what they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> only did I like, not only did I know that, well, okay. It wasn't just youth group. So like I went to a private Christian school and my male Bible teacher who was supposed to be teaching us, we had a semester of like family studies or something it's the last semester of your senior year and you're supposed to learn about like budgeting but he was like (laughs) I can't go another minute without showing you kids this skit because it's going to save your lives but mostly like girls like girls because boys you're gonna be fine and just like his I mean I he basically gave us like our final like purity talks he was like in case your fathers haven't told you you know guard Mm. your body guard your heart and love jesus and pay attention to this video and so we were already like spiritually traumatized from being in chapel every single day and like youth group in addition to school stuff and girls you can't wear your shorts too short environment 
And then they showed this video and I was just like, me and all of my friends are crying in the middle of class in our skirts that can't be too short or we'll be given like, or we'll be disciplined. It was just such a, it was just hard. It was bad. It was bad, but it caught, it got me like it hooked me. Cause I was so mm-hmm. vulnerable. Like we all were so impressionable, so vulnerable. This skit like was really harmful and mm-hmm. It was my first, it was my introduction to this song. And um, so that's, I didn't have any, you know, memories of it before. And it just like, oof, it did a number. And and I watched it a lot. I listened to that song a lot, like alone, you know, in my room journaling, reading my Bible, <laughs> like months after that. And then I meet Cameron, my now husband, you know, we start dating toward the end of my senior year and he's just the best and so often in in the following years he'd be like Nicole why don't you like yourself very much I'd be like I don't know but now I know (laughs) (laughs) no it's it's moments like this I'm like oh if I had had the words back then to be like oh my gosh well let me tell you about my you know spiritual trauma from moments like that with you know trusted authority figures like watch this incredibly emotionally manipulative thing um yeah I just, yeesh. That's why I was like, I'm already sweating. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's too much. Uh, Emily, that's an excellent take a turn pick. That's like, <laughs> that is top notch. Well, I'm going to lighten the mood. Um, <laughs> okay. So my took a turn and it's not even like there's a real turn other than it's just like, it's more like a what were they thinking kind of taking a turn <laughs> um, for the newsboys? It could have, I don't know. I was young enough to not know kind of what they were doing beyond the song. Okay. Let me, let me just tell you, I'll get to the song in a second. Take me to your leader was the sixth album by the newsboys. It was released in 1996. So I was around six or seven years old when I heard these words from my car radio. When the toast is burned and all the milk has turned and Captain Crunch is waving farewell. When the big one finds you, may this song remind you that they don't serve breakfast in hell. <laughs> oh my God. Y'all remember that song? Yeah. <laughs> you don't remember it? When the big one finds you, may this song remind you that they don't serve breakfast in hell. That's how it went. Wow. And I was like six or seven. I was like, what? <laughs> really upbeat. And it's... <laughs> And the song is about them like losing a loved one. And they're like, the whole thing is just serial and death. And it's so, (laughs) and hell, it's so weird. The bridge is like, those here without the Lord, how do you cope? For this morning, we don't mourn like those who have no hope, like they're at a funeral. Oh, rise up, fruit loop lovers, sing out sweet and low. With spoons held high, we bid our brother cheerio. This was a very popular song. Oh my God. Like, I cannot, I cannot, like, I can't understand. And it just makes me like, are we in a simulation? Like this <laughs> song was very popular. Probably. I heard it on the radio, like most mornings for a while, like on the way to school. Okay. So I went to a rather like hell and brimstone church in those days. So I had already been exposed to hell. Like 
I was very aware of the fire and gnashing of teeth and like what hell was like. That wasn't a surprise to me, but somehow the song stole what remaining innocence around an afterlife that I had. I remember being like, what does Captain Crunch have to do with this? Like, Like, how dare you like make that intersection in my brain? Um, but anyway, the song was popular and I, I just, something about it. There will be times it's like Christmas shoes. It's, I have certain songs from that (laughs) season that from like the first 15 years of my life, just like here and there, I'll be like humming it. And that's one that I find myself humming. I'm just like, that's a baseline. That's nice. Oh my gosh. That's breakfast in hell. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Oh no. So newsboys breakfast, I'm going to say took a turn just because it's like you turned into like, no one needed that song. No one needed that song. <laughs> Why? Why did you do that? So, and it felt like it belonged in the hands of children because it talked about Captain Crunch. And it's mm-hmm. just so weird. So weird. So that's my took a turn song. Yeah. Well, uh, before I go into my took a turn song, I think it's important for us to just note that perhaps we all need to practice some self-care after this podcast. I feel like there's some like real triggers happening. Definitely Um, turned into therapy for me. (laughs) Okay. So, um, I will need to practice self-care after talking about my song. Um, that took a turn. My song is never alone by Barlow girl. So this category, like I said, is really broad. We get to define turn however we want. And the reason it takes a, this song takes a turn for me is because the song by itself is awesome. Like a lot of Barlow girl songs are great. Um, I went back and listened to a bunch of them and I was like, Oh my goodness. I love it. Um, if you're not familiar with like nineties, early aughts, evangelical Christianity and the grip purity culture had on it, buckle <laughs> up. It's going to get weird. Okay. Uh, so first this, this song really is like my faith song. It's solid theologically. All right. So the lead singer, Alyssa begins the song asking God where God is, you know, like, I can't feel you. I don't know where you are. You said you'd be here. She describes crying out with no, no reply and holding God to account. Um, love it so far. Great. Um, and then she describes this deep reassurance as she goes into the chorus that even though she can't see God, God is a part of her. And she knows that God is right there and that she's never alone. And it like, you know, goes in this like big rock band song. I mean, they're like a rock, a Christian rock band. Um, and it's really beautiful. It's all about just like not being separated from God, even if like you're just going through a dry spell or whatever. Um, but in order to understand how it takes a turn, you have to know a little bit about Barlow Girl. So Barlow Girl consists of three sisters, Alyssa Lauren and Rebecca Barlow. And they hail from Willow Creek Community Church in Illinois. Mm-hmm. First red flag, right? Mm-hmm. And um, they got famous at first, not because of their music, but because Super Chick, another CCM throwback, um, <laughs> wrote a song about them. And basically the song is about how the Barlow girls were like saving sex for marriage um, and like taking a stand for purity. And so they were very vocal about this in their music. They're vocal about it. Like their song, average girl is all about it. Like modesty is very important to them saving sex. And they're not even going to date. Like that was their whole premise. Um, they have a song about, like I said, they have a song about it on their breakout album. And the line is like, God is writing my love story. 
Um, I just like ate this stuff up as a teenager. Um, and they recommended Joshua Harris's book. I kissed dating goodbye. Second red flag, right? (laughs) (laughs) Which they later walked back publicly when Josh Harris did too. And, uh, so I bring this up because we are all survivors of purity culture. You know, the survivor in me recognizes the survivor in you. <laughs> um, and people like Barlow Girl were like beacons for me, you know, during that time when I was like trying so hard to do what I thought God wanted me to do, you know, and like be countercultural. And um, I loved them and I loved all their songs. Like I could going through their album. I mean, I felt like I was 15 again, you know, like thinking about like dating and like reading all these books, I was like totally sold out to like Elizabeth Elliot, you know, like passion and purity. And I can't tell you how many times I read that book. Um, and so like all of this is like just categorized in my brain where I like try to not think about it. And, um, but I feel like this song, like as I'm listening to it again, as an adult, I'm married, I'm out of the evangelical purity culture machine. Um, I feel like it, it takes a turn back for me a little bit. Like through my own journey of like coming out of some really toxic theology and ethics, you know, I have found myself wondering where God was. I mean, that's like part of the deconstruction journey and how God was in, how God was in some of like just the worst things that I was taught and like formed in. But like, even though like teenage Ashley was misguided and, you know, was not given like some healthy theology or um, just given some really weird advice or whatever, that doesn't mean that like God wasn't there with me, that, that, that there's not something that's can last or be salvaged. And I still think that there are some, ta- some things from that time that have lasted. Um, I mean, this whole culture was like where I fell in love with God, you know, where I can even like use that language still about God. And um, so I feel like, I don't know, I feel like I've come full circle with this song. I now like want to listen to it and be like, oh yes, I'm never alone. God is a part of me. I will never be separated from God. This is lovely. So so that's my ticket turn song. I love it. Ashley, I can play it for you whenever you want. Cause when I was in middle school, my party trick was playing that song at every piano I could ever find. And this is why <laughs> I didn't have a lot of cool friends. <laughs> if there was a piano so in your house, I was like, like whole intro and everyone, I can only imagine the eye rolls that I just wasn't aware of, but I loved that song. It's Rello Girl, they were it. They were it. And yeah, I'm glad that you can listen to it now with fresh eyes. Each subsequent album like got grungier and grungier. I felt like they were kind of like going backwards into the 90s, you know? I don't know if you followed some of their later music, but after like their third album, it was all about like, I'm going to talk about Jesus, no matter if I'm persecuted for my faith. And I was like, I I think I'm out, guys, you know? You're only doing concerts with hundreds of people like, yeah, cheering for you. And they're like, I'm going to keep doing it no matter what. (laughs) It's been a fun ride. Like, (laughs) thanks for the memes, you know. Okay, so our final category is wild card. So this is just a song that we can't not mention. When we think early CCM days, this song is it. We've got to talk about it. So Emily, what's your wild card? Okay, I'm cheating a little bit on my wild card. My wild card is Stranded by Plum. Do you guys know this song? Yes. So this is like a loophole song because it's like definitely a CCM artist, but the song has like nothing to do with God at all. It was on like 
soundtracks to movies and such, but this is a great song. I have had this song stuck in my head all week. Love it. Highly recommend. It can't not be on our list. Mm, love it. Love that Plum made a cameo too. I was thinking about Plum the whole time. Yeah. Um, my wild card is Can't Live a Day by Avalon. Do y'all know who Avalon is? <laughs> Avalon. <laughs> I just had to put them somewhere. Uh, can't Live a Day. Can't Live a Day Without You. You know, uh, 1999. I'm just going to quick points. Strings, harmonies, oohs, ahs, head voice to chest voice from the lead singer. <laughs> Perfect build up to the bridge, the tone of the electric piano, the chord changes, the epic key change followed by a gospel choir in the back. It's just like <laughs> if if Nicole could just write down everything I want in a song, which is too many things, it's all those things. <laughs> it has all of the things that I want. And Avalon to me was like a little 90s Shania Twain meets Mariah Carey meets Whitney Houston harmonies. And then you put them all in like matching denim outfits. And so <laughs> I'm just like, so, 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 so into them still. And I can't handle it. And um, I found today that they have performance tracks on Spotify, which just means it's just instrumental tracks. So wow. you can find me singing Avalon songs for the <laughs> next few weeks by myself in my house that's where I'll be. Okay. Ashley, Love it. it's your wild card. My wild card is call on Jesus by Nicole C. Mullen. Um, I can't mm. talk about CCM days without talking about Nicole C. Mullen. Um, this song is like so iconic and it was hard for me to choose honestly, because a lot of her songs are iconic redeemer, you know, like I know my oh. redeemer lives, mm. um, talk about it has like this great beat on my knees that Jackie Velasquez got famous for. Yes. She's amazing. Also don't look her up either, but um, <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. But her oh, early songs, I'm like, I love them. <laughs> oh, those are also good. Okay. We're going to, we're going to put together a really great playlist. So y'all check out the show notes. Um, we will throw in a few honorable mentions probably too. Uh, we'll make it a real, real fun. Listen, um and Emily thank you so much for being on our podcast thank you for having me uh we will definitely invite you back so thank you and as we do we're gonna end with uh benediction um so we're gonna patchwork this uh Ashley will start us then I'll add mine and then Emily will close us out all right we invite you to come to a place of grounding for our benediction and receive this benediction May we remember that our best love songs to God fall short of what we want to say. May we trust that we are never alone in our praise and may our call always be answered, believing that anything is possible. And if you feel like you're losing control, if you're overwhelmed by the days in this race, know that you have a place in this world. I've got news boys and everyone else listening. (laughs) There is night and there is morning. And the sun will rise and God's loving arms will hold you. May you never become stranded in the dark. May you find your way into the light of Christ. In every season, in everything, may you show yourselves to be a reflection of the enduring and redeeming love of God. Amen. 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 <laughs> <laughs>